Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This is a chance for local people or people with a local connection to sit down and talk about what is going on with them in the Fishers community. This is a part of my local Fishers Indiana News blog that began in January of 2012. I started these podcasts in 2016 and have been going ever since. Now, here's the latest edition of the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm at the administration building for Hamilton Southeastern Schools, and I'm honored to have two outstanding gentlemen with me today. Jason Urban, the principal of Fishers High School, who's making a return uh, engagement with uh, my podcast, and Reggie Simmons, who's the new principal at Hamilton Southeastern High School. So it's an honor to have the principals of both of our large high schools here in the HSE district. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. Great to have you here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm going to start. I'm going to start with uh, Jason. You know, you have been the the principal at Fisher's High School. Is it 14 years? Did I get that math right? So it's a little bit complicated, but we basically finished the 15th year. Okay, so yeah, uh, so we had a our, low on that. We had our uh, 15th graduating class this, this last June, and um, I've been uh, in the position to be the principal for every one of our graduating classes. And uh, you were not principal when the school opened, but you have been an administrator ever since the building opened. Correct. Uh, So I started out there as the assistant principal. And that very first year when we split with HSE... And I don't know if you remember this, uh, they didn't want that senior class to have to split. There were no seniors in your school. There were no seniors, that's right. And then our very first year that we had seniors, I took over mid-year as the principal. So I've been able to shake the hand of every graduate to walk across that stage. Well, you shook the hands of both my daughters (laughs) who graduated from from, uh, Fisher's High School some years ago. They're both 28 and college grads and... And, make me uh, feel old, Larry. You think it makes you feel old? <laughs> let me tell you, as a father, that's a whole different thing. Well, let me start with you, Jason, sure. because I want to ask you, as you prepare for a school year, you've done this umpteen years, mm-hmm. uh, what is that process for a high school principal to prepare for a new school year? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things about school, our, our size, is we just have a, a lot of different groups. And so, you know, as the kind of leader of that building, you got to make sure you have a touch point with every one of those groups. So your administrative team, your counseling team, your support staff, of course, your teachers, and just really planning for, um, you know, either uh, meetings or uh, opportunities to go through, okay, let's remind ourselves of the vision. What's our core purpose? Why are we here? What's new this year? Let's go through, you know, just the plan, uh, get feedback, and then, you know, really make sure everyone's on the same page. So when we open those doors, um, we're ready for the students. I'll ask you the same question, Reggie, but this is the first time you've done this as a high school principal. Uh, What have you experienced so far? Uh, So far, um, what I've done is, again, like Mr. Urban mentioned, that um, getting reacquainted with staff as you probably know Larry I was a dean there for six years Uh, many of those staff members are are still there so I've had an opportunity to get reacquainted with them Um, but then of course I'm making myself available to get acquainted with uh, staff that I don't know Uh, I've met with my team I've met with parents I've met with students (laughs) Uh, just making myself available to meet with uh, different groups and I think it's important that you know every every group that I've met with I've asked 
ask them the same question. You know, what do you need from me? How can I best support you um, so that we can have a positive, productive school year? And what I will tell you is that, you know, every conversation that I've had, every meeting that I've been in has been very, very positive, and I'm really thankful for that. Um, it's been affirming and encouraging, you know, for me coming in. Um, but, you know, there's one of the fastest lessons that I've learned or the quickest lessons I've learned is that there is a lot that is happening. Like there are just so many different pieces to to this role um, that you really have to, you know, make sure that you take your time with everybody that you're coming in contact with uh, to make sure that they're getting kind of what they need from you uh, and you're giving them <clears throat> Um, the support that they need as well. You know, Reggie, you did mention you were a dean at mm-hmm. one time at the high school, but it, and you actually come from two years at something called the academy. Yes. Now, there are two things I want you to, to address on that. Number sure. one, explain to people what the academy is. I know, but I think explaining what mm-hmm. it does is important. But secondly, uh, school board members wanted to be well known when you uh, were introduced as the new principal at HSC High School that uh, your graduation rate at the academy <laughs> was amazing. And that is not something you see in a lot of school systems. What is the academy? How were you able to get such a high graduation rate? Well, I'll address that first and foremost to say that it's it's our team of, of staff members that we have. You know, I had I was blessed and fortunate to have an amazing staff that are very student centered. You know, um, we care about each and every student, not only their academic success, but we care about them as 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 a person as well. So uh, we did constant check ins with all of our students just to make sure that they were in a good place. And then when you do that, it's kind of like the academic support really just comes naturally. Um, and, And because of that, you know, kids, you know, knew that we cared about them. You know, when I worked in Washington Township, Dr. White would often say, you know, kids don't care care how much you know until they know how much you care, Mm -hmm. right? And so we kind of lived that at the academy. Um, So that is what I would attribute to our success is just the care and concern that we had for all of our students. Um, And that translated into them wanting to come and then that translated into them being successful. Now, what is the academy? The academy is the customized learning experience for students. It It is a non-traditional alternative program. I'll I'll say it that way. And the reason why I say it that way is because when you think about alternative programs, you think about kids that, you know, aren't successful and, you know, for whatever reason, mainly because of behavior issues and then they get put into place and they kind of get forgotten about sometimes, you know. Uh, One of the things I appreciate the most about HSC schools is that we are intentional about the kids that we bring over to the academy. We want to make sure that they are a good fit for us and we are a good fit for them. Um, And that has really been kind of the secret to our success with a 99% graduation rate. Um, And I'm making sure that we have kids that understand what's going to be expected of them. We do hold kids to, you know, high expectations, high standards, you know, but then we also give them the support that they need academically, social, emotionally, and otherwise to make sure that they can be successful. I've lived here since 1991, and my daughters went to HSC schools from K through 12. And I do remember going to a meeting with the legendary Chuck Leonard when he was the superintendent here, was for many years. Uh, He's still retired living in the general area here. But the reason I bring that up is when the proposals were coming in to build a second high school, uh, people were talking about how we need this, we need that, we need small this, small that. And he just finally cut the conversation <laughs> off and said, look, we're going to build another school. We're not going to build another small school. We're going to have two large high schools. And we do today have 
two large high schools. So I have been told, and Jason, I'm going to address this to you because you've been there so long at, at in this job at a very large high school, Fisher's High School. I have been told by plenty of people who work in this school corporation just how difficult a job it is to be a high school principal at a, at a high-performing suburban school of that size. I'm sure Reggie will, will, will get that experience soon. But my question to you is, how have you been able to handle You've been there a long time, but it's, it's hard to, to take care of, of that large operation. Reggie kind of touched on that. You've you got all these moving parts in a large high school. How are you able to oversee that? How are you able to handle what has to be considered a difficult job in any circumstance? What, what are your thoughts about how you've been able to handle that? I think the uh, average for a large suburban high school principal is three years. I think that's uh, what I've, I've heard that stat somewhere. So uh, I think the, you know, and it kind of speaks to the people that are in, in our building. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about is, is having people who truly are sincerely. And kids will see right through it if you're not sincere, sincerely committed to the achievement uh, and well-being of each student who walks through that door. And, you know, I've been, I'm really proud of the, of the staff that we have here. I think we put quality role models in front of our kids every single day. Um, and to do the job, you've got to trust your people. Uh, you've got to have great people. And I've been very fortunate throughout my career to just have tremendous people, the kind of people that get me out of bed early, that keep me motivated, uh, that give me energy uh, to continue to be challenged in the job and continue to try to seek to improve the experience for our students. You know, Reggie, uh, I think Jason touched on this. It, a lot of people think about the teaching staff when they think about a principal, but you are technically overseeing a much larger staff even than that. You've got cafeteria help. You've yeah. got uh, instruction and advisors. You just have a lot of different people in that building that uh, are your responsibility. But I want to talk about teachers for a moment. Mm-hmm. An awful lot has been said and written about the teacher shortage. I know yeah. – uh, I've heard about this a few years ago that, you know, they were, oh, there was, an, I guess, three, even three or four years ago, I was told that, you know, yeah, we, we don't have a problem hiring teachers, but we don't have the long list of applicants we used to have. I mean, that's, that's sort of where it was then. And I've asked administrators here, and they've said, you know, yes, we, there are some issues. You know, we have teachers leaving the profession, but we have people coming in and people coming from other school districts who choose to come here. Uh, I would ask you, and I'm going to ask Jason the same question. And it's early. You don't. You know. You have to start school for a few more weeks. But uh, at this time, are you fairly confident you will have your teaching positions filled on the first day of school? That's a great question, and I'm going to say yes because I'm going to be <laughs> optimistic <laughs> and very hopeful. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm fortunate to ha- have a staff that uh, is is very committed. About sixty percent of the staff have been there for fifteen plus years at HSC. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, it, it is a challenge, you know, to to find you know new people that 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 want to come in. In fact, I was having lunch with with a teacher that's that's a veteran teacher that's been there for for years. And one of the questions that I asked her, I said, "What's one of the things that I need to make sure that I try to get ahead of? Because if I don't, it's going to become problematic." And sure enough, she said, "Our young teachers that are coming in, mm-hmm. you know, because." They don't come in with a kind of a 30-year career mindset. They come in with, hey, you know, 
I'm intrigued by by becoming an educator, but not necessarily convinced or, or committed just yet, right? So, what are some things that we can do to kind of you know connect with those those teachers and support them um, as they you know consider uh, making a career out of this field? So, um, but yeah, I am confident that we we will have those teachers. You know, right now we're in a pretty good good position, other than uh, French and, and Spanish. So, if we have some folks out there, <laughs> that are listening. years ago I was told it was math. So you have the math teachers as foreign language. That's yeah. the challenge now. Yeah. Jason, uh, how do you look at the start of the school year and your teaching staff? Uh, at, at this point in time, and I've done this long enough to know <laughs> things can change at a moment's notice, but at this point in time, we're, we're fully hired for, for the year. Uh, we've got some maternity leaves that open up um, in the coming months that are in world language as well. So we're going to try to find some people for some short-term leaves, and I, I know that's going to be problematic But uh, as of right now. But I will say it, it has been noticeably different, this hiring season and just the, the number of candidates. There are just not as many out there across the board, even things like social studies and English, where we traditionally would have just a large number of candidates. Uh, you know, the, the shortage, is, it's real, and, and we're starting to really see that. And I, I've been seeing this just looking at the data from the education schools of places like Purdue, IU, Ball State, other universities. They are seeing fewer people going into education. That takes a while for that to come up mm-hmm. through the chain, but I think you're seeing that now. I'm going to stay with Jason for a moment. The first day of school, it's always special day, but I do remember a few years ago, on the first day of classes at Fisher's High School, you you know what I'm going to ask. Yes, I do. You had a power outage, which is never good any day, but on the first day of school, which has its own chaotic yeah. way of, of, of unfolding, uh, that must have been a challenge for you and the staff. Well, let, let me, let's go a little bit further about that day. Not only did we have the um, power outage, uh, we had a fire alarm that went That's off. That's right. <laughs> and then when we evacuated the students outside, um, a lightning storm came through while we were out there. <laughs> so it was quite a first day of school. Uh, and I remember uh, on the and our staff kind of makes fun of me by saying this, and our students at that time did too. But we just said, you know, hey, we're tiger tough, we're ready for anything. And so that was kind of the phrase for the year. Hey, we're tiger tough, we're tiger tough. Um, but that was it. It, it was, and I, I still have a picture of. Um, one of our English teachers, Keith Sheldon, Shelton, having English class in the dark, you know, in front of a window, you know, and, and that was one of the things, you know, electricity goes out, we, you know, education still happens, and, and uh, it was quite a day, but uh, I, do, I do remember that. So I'm hoping for a much smoother day uh, when the students return on the third. Well, I hate that to be the introduction to this question, Reggie, for you. Because remember, he's been there 15 years, and that was just one year. Yeah, yeah. But uh, do you have any concerns at all on the first day of school, being a new principal? You're mm. familiar with the building you've been in. You've worked sure. in the building, obviously. But uh, what, what do you think of as a principal when you approach that very first day of class? Yeah, you know, um, for, for me, the one thought that, that comes to me is when I think about that first day, as kids are coming in off the buses, as they're getting dropped off, as they're driving to school on, on that day, is them coming in and, and feeling like, you know, this is this is where they belong. This is where they should be. Um, you know, I know that there's a, a sense about... You know, I, I ran into some students the other day, and you know, they were asking me about the previous principal, and said, "Hey, you know, you know, think there's change that's happening." You know, but I, I don't want that angst to still be present when the first day of school starts. I want them to come in and feel like, you know, 
we're, we're good. We're in a good place. We're, we're, we can move forward, you know, regardless of any of the changes that are happening in and around us, you know, at, at our particular building, but even just in education in general. So I just want, you know, our, our kids and, and our staff to just be in a good place when we start. You know, Jason, I, I one, there's one word I hear a lot. I heard this when I was a manager in the federal government. I've heard it from the educators in my family, other administrators. When it comes to a school building or really any kind of operation, the word culture comes to mind. And when you look, think of a culture in any school building, you do have to think the principal sets the tone of that culture. Um, and, and we're looking at a time when we're not just looking at being able to hire staff like teachers, but retaining staff is just as important. And a culture of a building has a lot to do with uh, the retention rate that, that you may have. So I'm going to ask you to start this discussion. How have you tried to deal with this issue of creating the right kind of culture in your building? That's a good question. You're exactly right. That is the secret Um, because you can feel it, you know, and and culture is something you can feel as soon as you walk into a building by the daily interactions from your support staff person in the very beginning who checks you in to the teachers you encounter to the people you see in the hallway, the cafeteria staff, custodians. And so, uh, you know, obviously, much like HSE High School, it's all about student first, you know, and, and, you know, I think Ridgie did a great job of talking about developing a sense of belonging for students and staff alike, you know, and how do you do that? Well, you know, one of the things you make sure people have identity. You know people's names. Uh, you address them. Uh, you know their interests. You know their families, and you're sincerely invested in them. And that comes to everybody in in our building. And we want to have that feeling, because we know ultimately, uh, if we can create that kind of culture where, where people feel welcome, they feel connected, that unlocks one of the big obstacles to our core purpose, which is student learning. <coughs> and if we're going to get to our core purpose. We've got to have that kind of culture where people feel like they're really connected to this big school. Well, you know, Reggie, you've uh, run the uh, alternative school, um, the academy, I should say. They've changed the name. The academy. Uh, You've run that. You've been a dean. You understand what a culture and a building or operation can mean. How do you approach that as as a new high school principal? Yeah, sure. Actually, um, I've given a lot of thought to that. and I've kind of come up with what I hope to be our theme this year, which is, you know, to build a collaborative culture where students feel seen and known and staff feel heard and supported and and our families feel like this is where they want their kids to be um and and how do you do that you know you you get you talk to the kids you get to know them you check in with your 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 teachers how how things going um you know and it's it's hard and here's the thing i can't do that on my own but we can do that as a staff and to try to make sure that that's part of who we are not just what we do you know at, at HSC um, and and I know from my, my colleagues that I work with that that's something that can definitely be achieved you know uh, we might just need to be reminded of our why um, and kind of wrap our efforts around that as we move forward this school year um, 
<clears throat> know that we're doing it for the purpose and sake of making sure that our kids feel good about being at HSC. And if I take good care of uh, my, my staff, then they'll make sure they take good care of our kids as well. And then we'll keep our parents happy also. <laughs> well, you know, that's interesting. You, uh, you Culture is, is really more than one level. There's the staff culture, but then there's the student culture. Mm-hmm. They, they sort of intertwine, but they can be a little bit different. So I'll stay with you, Reggie, for a mm-hmm. moment. Uh, how, how do you look at this culture of learning for a student, uh, getting a culture of a building where, where learning tends to, to happen and it's open. And uh, what are your thoughts along those lines? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I really believe that a, a culture of learning happens when, you know, people understand. And when I say people, I mean, all of us understand our purpose for being there. Again, I'll go back to that why, you know, we're educators. Um, and that's because we got into this business because we want to help young people to be successful. So bringing us back to that and then making sure that not only do we set that as the vision, but then we put the necessary supports in place so those things can happen, right? Um, and, and, and not only expecting that, but also modeling that for for our staff and our students. You know, uh, for example, it's not enough just to be visible, but it's, it, it's, it's better when you can be visible and you can connect with students, build a rapport with them while they're in the hallways, while they're in the cafeteria. You know, it's, I, I find there was, as a dean, I found there was a lot of value in the time I spent with them outside of my office, just as well as inside <laughs> of my office from time to time, right? Uh, so just being able to impress that upon our staff, you know, to get to know our students just more than just inside the classroom, but even outside the classroom, you know, whether it's in the hallways, in the cafeteria, at different events, you know, it makes a difference in how you, when you talk about a learning culture, because then those kids come and they have a different disposition towards learning when they have a different disposition towards you as, as an adult in their in their lives. So, Jason, how do you approach this idea of making sure you have the right kind of culture for openness to learning, wanting students wanting to learn? Uh, is there a secret sauce to that, or how do you feel? Yeah, I don't know if there's an exact secret <laughs> sauce. Again, you know, you've talked about it before. It is it is about culture, and I think you know one of the one of the thing, best things we can say to to a young adult is. Hey, this is going to be challenging, but I'm going to make sure you're successful. You know, and if our if our teachers are sending and all of us are sending that message on a daily basis, hey, we're going to challenge you. That's what growth feels like. Um, it feels tough at times, um, but we're going to be right there beside you to help you learn. And you know, teaching is is an art and it's a science. You know, and the the art part is just kind of picking up on student cues. And the veteran teachers really have it. After a time, they can just kind of do it and not even think about it. And designing engaging lessons and those kind of things. And the science part of it is, you know, really looking at how are students performing, and how do I react to that. What do I do differently, or how do I actually, you know, for that individual student, how do I intervene there? That's one of the things that was really that was new last year. I'm really excited that we were able to get it off the ground last year. Is we carved out some time during our school day, every other day, for what we call targeted instruction, which truly is uh, the ability to be responsive to learning, to bring students in during that block of time and individualize. Uh, instruction in the core areas um, for the student based on what their needs are. And so I think I'm really excited about that structure. I think we made a lot of strides last year uh, to impact, you know, those learning outcomes for, for every student in our building. 
one issue that uh, comes up all the time, safety and security. Yeah. Uh, Mike Johnson has retired from the Fishers Police Department and is now security officer for the school system. Jimmy Lake at the administration central office level uh, is also about that. Spoke to the school board just recently about a new tip reporting program so students can tip off uh, administrators and, and police if they think there's a situation that needs to, to be brought to, to the attention of the authorities. So I'm going to ask Reggie to start mm-hmm. this. Uh, as you head into a new school year, your thoughts on school security and, and your role as principal in that? Yeah, I appreciate you asking that, Larry. Um, so <clears throat> I'm actually um, a school safety specialist. Um, you know, as an assistant principal, um, I had the opportunity to be trained uh, in that. So I have about four hours left to <laughs> videos to watch this summer <laughs> so I can get uh, renewed in that. Um, but but uh, so my approach to school safety is to try to be as proactive as possible. You know, try to head things off, you know. Um, and that, that really does get back to, you know, getting to know our kids Right, because they're our best resource, to be quite honest with you, when you talk about school safety. Because if anything is going to come out, it's going to be, it's going to start there before we learn about it, right? So as we're developing those relationships and rapports with kids, I know it, it was very helpful to me, even as a dean, to be able to get some inside information, you know, so we can kind of get ahead of things before, you know, we were just reacting to something. Uh, so that's one one piece of it is to be proactive through through our relationship building with kids, but also I really appreciate our relationship that. We have officials police and the work that they do with, you know, and for our schools. Um, you know, I've worked in different school districts where, you know, you don't you just don't have that. But I mean, it's nice to be able to, you know, have a conversation or call one, one of your guys on their cell phone or something like that if you have an issue and then to be very responsive to it. Um, so I think that that kind of gives us an edge in just trying to make sure we stay ahead, ahead of things. And if there's something that, 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 that happens, knowing that we have the support of them, you know, as we go into investigate an issue or a situation to make sure that we're keeping, you know, our kids and our staff and our community safe. You know, Jason, when I talked to Mike Johnson right after he did take the new job after his retirement from the police department, you know, he talked about how tips are evaluated, you know, what when you have information, what do you do with it, and, and how do you evaluate, you know, whether it's something you need to follow up on right away, is it need immediate attention or, is, or not? So I'm sure these sorts of things uh, come to your attention all the time. So talk a little bit about security and safety and, and your role in that. Yeah, and, and specific to tips, uh, I, I will say, you know, our our students and our community have been outstanding. You know, that's one of the things over my career that is we know so much more. And it seems like, uh, to their credit, uh, and I'd say the credit of the Fishers Police Department to the school safety specialists throughout the district and, and what the district has put out there, I think there is a culture in our schools of you see something, say something. Um, the number of tips that we get um, really are, are helpful, and I think about the issues we've had over the years. Um, students bringing it to our attention has been such a big part of, of helping keep our school schools safe. And hiring Mike, um, great hire. You know, I've had a great relationship with him. I think he can pull in some resources and, and just a lens that maybe we haven't had as just educators looking at this safety, safety issue. Um, you know, we got to continue to challenge um, ourselves to, you know, to think of new ways to kind of um, do our drills, uh, new ways to kind of keep that message out in front of however uncomfortable it is for all of us. 
I know every time we talk about this, it evokes trauma. Um, and But it's an important enough issue that we have to spend the time and really do our drills in a way that we can just really empower both our students and our, our staff members to think on the spot, react on the spot, um, to be empowered to do all that they can do in the moment to keep the students safe. You know, Jason, I'll stick with you for a moment. Uh, one new ch- uh, passage in the student handbook was a bit controversial. Mm-hmm. It uh, defines and deals with what are called microaggressions and talks about restorative conversations as a result of that. And if obviously if there are repeat offenses, there could be consequences there. That's what basically the language has mm-hmm. to say. My question to you is now that you've seen that language, uh, how are you going to talk to your staff about how you plan to actually handle this issue of microaggressions, restorative conversations. Explain how you will tell your staff to handle that. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because there's a lot of uh, a lot of people who have weighed in on that that may uh, may not know all the details. I know there's a lot of information out there that um, I, I've never seen that's been a part of the handbook um, approval. Um, and again, I think it it is kind of rooted in okay, we're a learning institution focused on learning. What are some of those obstacles to learning? And I think, you know, by listening there in in the handbook, it gives us some terminology to have these conversations when students are made to feel uncomfortable, intentionally, unintentionally. We've got a student who, for some reason, they're feeling uncomfortable, and that's an obstacle to their learning. And if students then are empowered by that language in the handbook to bring that to an adult, so that then we can have a conversation with the students, or if that teacher isn't comfortable administratively, um, through the counseling office, we can have conversations with those students to help educate, understand why a student may be offended. Um, I think that just helps us grow and it helps us eliminate those obstacles to learning. And I'll ask uh, Reggie the same yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I want to encourage our staff to, to consider is just to be empathetic, you know, try to, you know, see it from a different uh, perspective, just just for understanding, if, if nothing else. Um, and then if there are issues that, you know, that they're struggling with because, you know, it just doesn't make sense or, or you know, they're trying to figure out what's the right or the best course of action to take, then I would encourage them to, to go through, our, you know, our guidance counselors, you know, our, our admin team, you know, to kind of seek some support for that. Um, I think I think it's important for us to be clear, too, that, you know, based on our, our handbook also states that, you know, we're, we're, we're going to investigate it. We're going to look into the, the situations. We're going to make sure that we have good information to work with before any decisions are made, right? So these won't just be, you know, something that just gets mentioned in that there's going to be a reaction to it. There's going to be a lot of thoughtful, uh, a thoughtful approach to how these issues get handled and dealt with. And we want to make sure that, that, you know, uh, that students are are feeling supported in the process. But at the same time, though, that we're doing adequate and and, and appropriate due process, you know, if and when it's necessary. Stay with you for a moment, Reggie, uh, because I do believe the Hamilton Southeastern schools have been way ahead of the curve Mm -hmm. in the area of mental health. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we had our last referendum, we're about to have another one, but the operating referendums have a limit. And the last time uh, that was um, uh, sold to the public, the idea was, okay, we want to lower the class sizes and the the lower grades. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure we're competitive on salary for teachers and other staff. And we want to start a mental health program. That was all part of what Mm -hmm. the school corporation said. This, if you 
community, if you give us these funds, that's how we're going to handle that. And it it passed with 70-plus percent uh, of the votes saying yes. So I would like to ask you, you've had experience in the school system, been a mm-hmm. dean particularly, but other roles as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to prove what didn't happen. Sure. But have you seen examples where that mental health program has made a difference? Oh, Absolutely. You know, with the support of um, our partnership with Community Health, um, having those people in-house makes a huge difference because um, now, you know, back in the day, you know, when I worked in other districts, you know, we called it wraparound services, right? Um, and, and then you had those supports already in place in the school that you could easily refer, you know, families to if they needed that type of support. Well, we're kind of bringing that back, you know, where, and, and I, to be quite honest with you, just having, the access, just having the access to those folks, you know, right there in our buildings is, is just tremendous help because now we have an immediate resource that we can refer our families to. You know, we don't have to try to figure that out and do some homework on our own, right? They're, they're, they're right there. Um, and, you know, and I've, I've worked with students that I've seen the the, the direct impact, you know, when you have somebody that's coming over and they're meeting with students on a regular basis, they're touching base with them, making sure that they're in a good place. And what's really been nice, too, is not only seeing how it impacts that student, but also the effect that it can have on the entire family, because sometimes they're being referred to other resources and, and opportunities that they may not otherwise know about or have access to through our partnership with, with, with uh, Community Health. So that has been been huge. And yes, I, I've seen it, you know, uh, play out again, you know, in, in support of our students, but also in support of the students' families as well. Yeah, I've seen it through uh, people I know with the youth assistance program yeah. through a youth mentoring initiative and of course a mental health program that if there's an issue with a student sometimes it's an entire family yeah. issue and you can't solve the problem without bringing the family in so jason you're you're you've seen it for for the principal seat uh, for quite a while the mental health program how has it made a difference yeah i mean again you think about for those families and i can't you know you you know what a what a challenge for families when you have a, a young person who's struggling with mental health issues, and the toll that takes on on the family. Uh, having that accessibility at school for working families too to access the you know mental health provider at school uh, has been tremendous as far as increasing the number of students and the frequency in which they can provide services. Uh, we've also brought in through grant funding um, some social workers at both high schools this past year. Uh, and that's been huge in providing kind of that next tier of support, so group counseling, family counseling as well, and again, connecting the families to community resources that be, they may not be aware of uh, to help the entire family. And I definitely have seen it. And honestly, it, it you know you think about our counselors who have 425 students on their caseload to run a group counseling session. I mean, that's taken up a lot of time in their school day and really allows them to maybe be that first tier of dealing with kids in crisis and, and some, some issues where then if students do need more intensive services, they can kind of move through the community process. Uh, and that's been a better system in really dealing with the needs of our and the growing needs of our, our community and our students. Well, we're actually a little over time, so I'll just end it with this. Yeah. Uh, anything either one of you would want to add? I've tried to ask a few questions here. Reggie, I'll ask you to start to Anything you would like to add that I didn't think to ask? Yeah, sure. Um, well, first of all, thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, just I, I would just like to say that I'm really, really looking forward to you know my new role and, and working with you know the Hamilton Southeastern School community. Um, you know, uh, it, it's it's. 
the 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 idea behind you know getting you know getting back to you know the place where my admin career you know started is is kind of special to me so really looking forward to you know having an opportunity to you know come get back to to where this all started and and, and hopefully in my career there as well excellent jason uh, your thoughts well another school year and uh uh, every every year has its own unique characteristics, and, and uh, I'm certain that this year will will definitely take a, on a life of its own. And, and each one of them has has been uh, in its own way so fulfilling and rewarding. And I, you know, if people are listening to this and, and part of our school community, I just want to thank you in advance for the trust you have in our school and the journey we're going to go through together. And uh, ask for your continued support. Uh, it's been uh, fulfilling and rewarding beyond my wildest dreams, and I can't wait to do it again. Just heard uh, Jason Urban, the principal of Fishers High School, and joining him today, Reggie Simmons, principal of Hamilton Southeastern High School, uh, just a few weeks before the start of school. So, gentlemen, I would only hope there'd be no storms or power outages on the first day of classes. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Larry. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. If you like the podcast, please let others know. You can find it on most platforms where you go for podcasts. Just search using this phrase, Podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N. Also, if you listen on a platform such as iTunes, please take a moment, rate and comment on my podcast series. So thanks for listening, and please be safe and be kind. <music>